Good morning, everyone. Sorry, gather my notes. Children's church, kids' church are dismissed for children's church at this time. My name is Ricardo. I'm one of the elders here, and I have the honor and privilege of bringing you the message this morning. If you were with us last week, you would know that we started a new mini-series here in the books of Acts, specifically chapter 2 of Acts, that we call Devoted. And we're going to be looking at the marks and the characteristics of the church in the book of Acts. And so we're going to be spending the next three weeks. So we started last week, we're in there again this week, and then we'll finish up next week with looking at the ordinances that we see there in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. What we're looking, our desire, our hope, is that we look at these characteristics, we look at these marks of the church that we see in Acts, and that we start to replicate those things as a church body here, as followers, as, as Christians here, that we start to mimic those things and live just like the first century church did. Because we understand, as our, as our series thesis statement is, is that a church filled with the Holy Spirit and power is a church devoted to the ordinances and the ordinary means of grace. And so we understand that our power as a church comes from remaining in the ordinances and the ordinary means of grace. That is where we find power and we are devoting ourselves to that. And we look at last week at Acts chapter 2 and how that is where they devoted themselves to us, to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. And we looked at those two aspects of the gathering of the early church. And we talked about how we as the believers, that, and here specifically at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, we are to be devoting ourselves to God's word, and we are to devote ourselves to the study of God's word. And if I ended last week with a challenge to you guys to just go and learn something new about God that week, to be in the scriptures, to be studying it, to devote yourselves to that, and to learn something new about your Lord that week. And that's how I ended last week, challenging us to do that. And we looked at also prayer and how they, the apostles, the, the um, first century church, devoted themselves to prayer. And how we understand that we are to also be devoting ourselves to prayer. That it is an essential part of the Christian life. It is an essential part of the gathering of the saints. It's to devote themselves to the prayer. And we understood, I share that we understand that our prayers help us to keep God at the center of our lives. That the more that we pray, the more that we realize that we place God in his proper place. And where instead of filling ourselves up with idols, we stay focused and we start to realize that God is the God of the universe. He is the one who is in control. And we talked about the importance of that. And so this week, we're going to be looking at another aspect of the fellowship. We're going to be looking at another aspect of the church gathering here in the early church. And we're going to see that they devoted themselves to fellowship, to gathering together as a body of, of believers and to listen and sit under the teaching of the apostles and to pray together and to take communion together. And we'll focus on that next week, but today we're going to focus on what it means to have fellowship with one another. Because we understand that, that really the Christian life isn't meant to be lived in seclusion. We are meant to live it as a body, as one group of people. And we are to be devoted to one another. We are to help one another. We are to pour into one another, encourage one another. And you cannot do that if you are not gathering, if you're not living in fellowship. 
that should be our heart's cry, to gather with other believers and to have fellowship with them. And that's what we see worked out here in Acts chapter 2 in the early church, that they devoted themselves to fellowship with one another. So if there's anything I want you guys to leave with today, this main idea for today, it is this, that the church, we as the body of Christ, should be devoted to fellowship with one another, that we should be striving to, that we should be eager to come together on a Sunday and worship with the saints. And we should be seeking opportunities throughout the week to gather with the saints, to live and do life with one another. And we'll see that that's what marked the church here in Acts. So let's read in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Luke writes, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a church body, Father, to live out what we're seeing in the scriptures today, to fellowship with one another, to sit under the preaching of your word, to spend time in prayer, interceding on behalf of one another, interceding on behalf of of brothers and Christians all across the world, Father. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity to gather, to get out of the elements, and no matter how crazy it may be outside the weather, that we're able to escape that for this time being, Father. And that is a blessing from you, Father. Be with us today, Lord, as we spend time in your word, gleaning from it, Father. Use it, Father, to convict us. Use it to edify us, to build your church up, Father. May we receive exactly what you want us to receive, exactly what we need, Father. We eliminate any distractions, Father, as we spend the next several moments diving into your word, Father. Be here with us. Help me to remember all that you've put on my heart, Father. Help me to be clear, to speak boldly, not to shy away from what your word says, Father. Lord, may I decrease so that you increase in today, Father. We thank you for this opportunity. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be edifying to you and to your people, Father. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. So what is fellowship? We're going to be looking at that, that that we are to devote ourselves to fellowship with one another. So what is it? Fellowship is when people who have a common interest come together and they decide to live and to have a sense of community amongst themselves. Today, we see a lot of different examples of fellowship, of community all throughout the world. People surrounding themselves with, with sports or with music or, or around movies or around books. These things that, that bring them together to live with one another. In order to have fellowship, you have to have something in common. We understand that for us as believers, as followers of Christ, the thing that binds us, the thing that brings us together is the Word of God, is the Scriptures, the beliefs, the doctrinal stuff that we see in there. 
things that we hold together as a church body, those are things that bind us together. That is what we are fellowshipping under. That is what, what brings us together as a body of Christ. If you were to look out today, we have people of different ages, of different ethnicities here. And the only thing that binds us is the word of God, that we are all the same under Jesus Christ, that we are all saved by the same grace, that we all have been clothed in the same righteousness, that there's really nothing different when it comes to being under Christ. And that is what combined the early church. If you look at at verse 41, that day 3,000 souls were saved. And from all areas, if you were to go back and look earlier in chapter 2, You'll see that it was, it was Jewish people from all over the world that were coming to Jerusalem. And they all decided once they received and once they were saved to devote themselves to fellowship with one another. And the thing that connects them, we see, is the apostles' teaching, is doctrine, is the word of God. Looking at verse 42, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And there what happens is it connects both. It's making God's word and fellowship of the saints inseparable. You can't have one or the other. If you're going to fellowship with other people, if you're going to fellowship with other saints, then you're going to be connected. You're going to be united under God's word. And that's what we see going on here. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. What did their fellowship consist of? We were to look at the most basic meaning here of the word fellowship in the Greek. It's this idea of of, of a partnership, of people coming together and sharing. As as one commentator writes, it's having something that holds them together in common, and then they join in a partnership. They, They participate with one another. They share together. That's what marks the fellowship of the believers here in the early church. So we're going to be looking at that. We're going to look at really two folds of fellowship. Really, their fellowship consisted of getting together, gathering together to worship God, and their fellowship consisted of intentional relational living. So that's my first point. My first point is fellowship consists of gathering together to worship God. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. We see there's four things there that they've come together to do. They've come together under the apostles' teaching. That is God's word, as we talked about last week. They come together to pray. We talked about that last week as well. And they come together for the breaking of bread. That is to to share in the Lord's Supper. And we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But their gathering consisted of of these three things, of of really four aspects that we'll see is what their gathering when they got together to worship God consisted of. Everything they did was done to worship God. So they got together, they fellowshiped. Today that's known as corporate worship. It's what we do here on Sundays when we gather together to worship God as one body. It was important then, it was vital to the church now, and is, it was vital to the church then, and it is vital to the church now. That they were gathering with one another to worship God. They did this consistently, day by day, as we look at verse 46, right? They, they gathered together in homes and in the temples day by day. They understood the importance of it. They understood the importance of being consistent with your gathering of the saints, something that the author of Hebrews writes about later in chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, 
when he says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more. You see the day drawing near. We are to gather. This is a command to not neglect the meeting of together. Today, the main way that we gather and worship God is here on Sunday mornings. And that's where you see the Word of God preached. That's where we worship. That's where we sing songs of praise. That's where we pray to God. They did it day by day. And what we'll see is later on, if you look, if you were to study the book of Acts, eventually they moved it to just one day of the week that was specific for this, for the gathering, for the giving, for worshiping of God. That was the first day of the week, which is Sunday, which is we call as the Lord's Day here. This day, this Lord's Day, Sunday, the first day of the week, carried importance to the, new ch- to the early church here in Acts. We understood that that's the day that Jesus arose from the dead. That's the day that he chose to reveal himself to the disciples. That's the day when the Spirit was poured out to the disciples at Pentecost. It all happened on the first day of the week, on the Lord's Day. That is Sunday, so we are commanded. That is why it plays such an important role in the New Testament. And we'll see later on that that's when they gather. That's when they break bread. We look at Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day and prolonged his speech until midnight. They met all day. Gathering together to worship God, to pray, to sit under the apostles' teaching. Paul, when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, we see that he puts another special emphasis on the first day of the week. He writes, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are too. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that he will be, there will be no collecting when I come. We see here that Paul puts an emphasis on the first day of the week. That is when you are to gather together. That is when you are to collect the needs. That is when, you, when, they, when they start to worship and pray and sit under the teaching of God's word. It is the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. That is Sunday for us today. And so that is what we do when we gather as saints. On the Lord's Day, we are to worship God. We understand that Sunday plays an important role in the life of the Christian that we are to set that apart, that we are to, as much as we can, gather with other believers, with other saints, and partake in the Lord's day. Because that is when we see the preaching of God's word done. That is when we gather today like we did and spent significant time in prayer. That is where we sing songs of praise. We are to have this day as a special, as a holy day for us, not neglecting to meet together. We are to put aside... Sunday as a day dedicated to the Lord, and we are not to move from that. What makes Sunday so important? It helps us to stay focused. It helps us to point to God. Oftentimes, Sundays is when we're reminded of the gospel, when we sing songs of praise like we just did, that breaks our hearts, that bleeds us to tears, being happy and joyful at the truths that we're singing. We saw that they're commanded to spend time in under the Lord's teaching, under the preaching of God's word. They were commanded to pray. We understand that Paul, when writing to, to Timothy, tells him to preach the word. 
As a, as a young pastor, Paul says, preach the word, because we understand that it is profitable for teaching and for rebuke. It is how we grow. It is how we grow in our relationship with God is when we hear the word preached and applied to our lives. We understand that prayer plays an important role as well. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul gives instructions on how the church is to pray publicly, how it's supposed to look. It's not supposed to be chaotic. It's supposed to be a certain way done. It's so important to the gathering of saints that Paul gives instructions on how to do it. Oftentimes, what people tend to forget is that singing songs of praise to God is also an essential part of our gathering together. There's times where we have gathered together as a church where I've just been lifted up by hearing other saints cry out to God and sing songs of praise and just hearing everyone sing these truths together. It will lift up your spirit. And we're commanded to do so in the Bible. We, we see that God really does love when people gather together and sing to him. And he's dedicated one of the, long, the, the longest book, the biggest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms. It's just really filled with songs. That's all it really is. It's God putting melodies to word in that book, and we are to sing those back to him. We're commanded to sing praises to God. In Psalm 47, verse 6, sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Again, we see it in, in Psalm 96, verses 1 through 2. We're to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. We are to gather, especially on Sundays, and sing songs of praise to God. We're commanded to do that in the New Testament. We're told to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. That's Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. We're commanded to gather on a Sunday, sit under the preaching of God's word, pray together, sing together, partake in the Lord's communion together. That is what makes up our fellowship here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Because we understand that that is how we are going to grow. If you're not gathering with the saints, if you're not making Sundays a priority to come to church and to set it aside for the Lord, then you're not going to grow. There's something that happens special on Sundays when the people of God gather together. This is how we encourage one another. This is how we build one another up when we gather together and pray for one another and encourage one another and uplift one another and hold each other accountable when things are going bad. That happens when we gather in fellowship with one another. We do that primarily through gathering on the Lord's Day to worship God. That's the primary function of Sundays is to worship the Lord your God with other believers. The second point, fellowship consists of intentional relational living. When we were to look here at verses 44 through 47, Luke writes, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. 
they were intentional about getting together as a church body. Outside, I would say outside of what we do on Sundays, we have to be intentional on gathering together with other believers. They did this, as it says, day by day, breaking bread in their homes, attending the temple together. They understood that in order for them to grow, they needed to be connected to one another. They needed to have community with one another. They were intentional about how they fostered those relationships. That unless you're with one another, unless you're doing life, you're not going to have relationships with other believers. You're not going to have people around you to hold you accountable, to pray for you, to lift you up when you need need to be lifted. They were intentional about being together as often as they could, meeting day by day. They understood that that's how we're made, that we, as human beings, made in the image of God, we are made to be relational with other people. We are made to be in community. We see that played out in the Trinity. We understand that the God that we serve, the God that we love, is a relational God. Any study of the Trinity, you'll see that played out. So if we are made in the image of God, then we are also to be in community. We are also to be in relationship with one another. This is an innate desire that we have. We long to be in community. And the early church knew this. And so they were intentional. Intentional in gathering. Intentional on in how they loved one another. Um, I am certain that they heard the teachings of Jesus through the apostles. They probably heard the new commandment that Jesus gives in John 13, verses 34 to 35, where he says, I give to you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What we see evident here in the early church is that they loved one another. That, that, that idea of loving one another, it's referenced over 16 times throughout the New Testament. That we are called as believers to love one another, to care for one another, to uphold and lift one another up. And so they met on a daily basis and they broke bread together. They, they had food. They were living in harmony with one another. That's what we see. We're called to do that in Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 16. That we are to live in harmony with one another. They were hospitable. That was one of their characteristics. They were a a very hospitable congregation in the early church. We understand the importance of that. John and 1 John writes in chapter 4, verse 9, that we are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. We are to do that with love and and be excited that we can open our homes to one another and invite other believers with us to do life and to share a meal. And we understand that, that for me at least, the best fellowship I can have is with food, with good, good food. And they understood that. They broke bread in their homes. I believe here it's referring to just eating, having a, a love meal of one another. They gathered together around a table showing hospitality to one another, loving one another, sharing meals, praying for one another. When you gather with other saints, you can't help but to come together and to talk, to encourage one another, say, hey, how is life going for you? What can I be praying for you? 
What, what, what are you struggling with? What, what is something that you learned this week? We can't ask those type of questions if we're not living in community and fellowship with one another. We cannot neglect the meeting together with other saints. And they did this with glad and generous hearts. Sharing the joy and the light that they were, everything that they were learning under the apostles, they probably got together and shared that with one another. When you meet this way in this type of fellowship day by day, gathering together, breaking bread, talking, loving one another, sharing with one another, you can't help but build close-knit friendships, as R.C. Sproul says. That was what they were doing here. They were experiencing joy together. We, as Christians, should be one of the most joyful people in this world because we understand the weight of our sin. We understand how wretched we are, but we also understand that we have been delivered from that, that we have been clothed in Christ's righteousness, and that should bring joy to us. And that should what spark, that should be a part of our fellowship is joy, understanding that we have been delivered from our sin because of the work of Christ on the cross. And that should fill us with joy on our Sunday mornings. That should fill us with joy as we meet throughout the week. Joy should be an essential part of our gathering together. We understand that it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. We understand that joy comes from God. God is the one who fills, up, uh, fills us up with joy. That's what Paul reminds us in, in Romans 15, 11. So we're to gather, we're to break bread, we're to love one another and serve one another. That was another way that the church was intentional in their gathering together in their fellowship is that they served and loved one another. We understand that's what we're called to do to bear one another's burdens, and to serve one another. They were a generous church. We see this in verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were together, doing life together, in fellowship, in community. And when something arose, when the issue arose and someone needed some help, the church gathered around them. And said, what do you need? Let me, let me sell this. I can sell this possession. I don't need this fourth car. I don't need this TV. I can help you out with this. They were a generous church, helping one another. As any need had arise. And I want to just real quick take some time to, to look at verse 45 here in Acts chapter 2. Because it does get misinterpreted often. What we see is that this verse oftentimes gets used to, to make this claim that the church, the first century church, was about communism. That's how they lived. That they put everything together and shared everything. And that's just not true. People will try to use this verse to, to legitimize that form of government. But, but there's a couple things missing here. Right? First is, note very importantly, there's the absence of government. No one is telling the church to do this. No one is telling the other believers, this is what you have to do. This is how you are to live. It's out of the kindness of their own heart. It's as the Spirit leads them that they are given and selling of their own possessions. It's this attitude of what is mine is yours. 
That's the attitude of here. It's not what is yours is mine. It's what is mine is yours. It's when we gather and you need something, I will do what I have to do to help you meet that need. This giving that, that we see here in Acts 45, I mean, verse, chapter 2, verse 45, it was voluntary. And we see that again. If you were to go ahead and look at Acts chapter 5, really Acts chapter 4, over there in verse 32, we see that they are gathering again, and we have mentioned that they have everything in common. And, and Luke writes about how they are selling, people are coming and they're selling their needs for the needs of other believers. And he mentions specifically Barnabas there, how he sold everything, his land, his home, all his possessions, and he brought it to the feet of the apostles. And we look at chapter 5, and we look at Ananias and Sapphira, and they do the same thing. They see Barnabas do this, and they decide, we want to do that too. But instead of bringing everything, they try to deceive the apostles. They try to deceive God. And said, yeah, we've given you everything, but they've kept certain portion of what they sold to themselves. But they're coming as if they're given everything. What we see is what Peter says here in verse 4 of chapter 5. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not yours at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. In other words, what Peter is here saying is, is you didn't have to sell this. We're not telling you to sell this. We didn't tell you to bring everything to us. But you're coming lying to God, trying to make it seem like you're giving us everything that you're sold. Peter said, you didn't have to. When it was yours, it was yours. And when you sold it, that money was still yours. But when you decide that you weren't trying to give this to God, don't deceive, don't lie. And so we see there that it's voluntary. That people did not just throw everything into a pot. It's simple. It's as the needs arose, the church figured out a way to support those needs. There was no common, there was no, let's all sell our possessions. Let's all sell our homes. It's evident if you look at verse 46 that they were still meeting in people's homes. So they didn't do that. We understand that, that we are to be generous, but it's as we're led by the Spirit. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This type of giving, this type of idea that we are to just sell everything and just put it all in one pot, it's antithetical to the Bible. That's compulsive. So we don't see here in verse 45, we don't see a form of communism. Rather, we see it's just Christian loving other Christians. That's what we see there. And so they gather together to lift one another up, to pray for one another, to help one another, to encourage one another. That is what makes the fellowship of the saints. It's where to come together as a body and grow together as a body, lifting each other up, exhorting one another, encouraging one another. Oftentimes you'll see that phrase often in the New Testament, one another. In the fellowship of the saints, that is where we live those one another's out. 
where we love one another, where we are to exhort one another, we are to keep one another accountable, all those things. We do that in the fellowship of the saints because we understand that we are gathered as one body under Christ. We are to live as one body under Christ. That is what is to be the mark of our fellowship. It's uplifting and worshiping God with one another and caring and loving one another. In closing, I want to take some time to just talk to that person who may be here, who may be listening, who doesn't have a relationship with God. Understand that, 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 that what unites us as believers is the blood of Christ. That everything that we do here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church is because we are united under Christ. But for that person who's not in Christ, you are not in living in community with the church. That the church is meant for believers. That is the purpose of the church. The reading of the scriptures, the praying, the, 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 the preaching of God's word, that is meant to uplift the church. We have community here because ultimately we are one with God. If you are not with God, then if you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you are not one with God. We have a unique bond here as the body of Christ because we understand the importance of what it means to be reconciled through the work of Christ. And unless you've been reconciled through that work, unless you've put your trust in that, then you have, you have no community here. But you can. If you put your trust in God, if you realize that we, you are separated from God because of the sins that you've committed, that, you, that, that separates you from God, and, and therefore putting your trust in Christ will have, give you peace with God. And then you will join in fellowship with God, and then you can join in fellowship with other saints. I'm not saying that you're not welcomed here. I'm not saying that, that, that you shouldn't come anymore. We want you here. We want to be praying for you. But there is something unique that bonds the church, that is the righteousness of Christ that clothes them. And unless you've put your trust in Jesus, in his work, in his atoning work on the cross, then you are not clothed in that righteousness. But you can be, if you're, if you're interested in that, what that means, what that looks like. Talk to me. Talk to anyone you saw up here today. We would love to talk with you and break that down, what it means to be in fellowship with God and to put your trust in Christ and his work. For the believers here, we are one church body, body and we are to partake in it. Understand this. Our church, church isn't, to be a, isn't meant to be a spectator event. It's not something that you just come and watch on a Sunday. It's something that you partake in, that you're active in, that you're in partnership in. That's what it means to gather, to be in fellowship with other believers. Something that you are actively doing what it says, and, and I remind you guys of Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to loving good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day is drawing near. You can't love one another 
You can't encourage one another to do good works. You can't be encouraging to other believers unless you're gathering with them, unless you are partaking in that fellowship with them. We as Christians are not meant to live separate from the body. And so we've created opportunities here all throughout the week for you to be in fellowship with other believers. We have men's Bible study. We have women's Bible study. We have life groups starting up in September. We've created these opportunities for you to live in fellowship with other believers. And my encouragement to you is if you're not joining something, if all you're doing is coming here and making Sundays a spectator event, but not joining in the active fellowship of the saints here at, at your church, then my challenge, my encouragement is you to do that, is get involved. Find ways to get connected. We have all types of things going on. We have crafts night. We have men's night. We have everything going on. We have opportunities for you to get involved. You cannot be partakers. You cannot have fellowship if you are not actively partaking in something within the church. Be involved. Pour into someone. Allow yourself to be poured into. Encourage people. Allow yourself to be encouraged. Allow yourself to be held accountable. Allow yourself to hold other people accountable. We are to live in fellowship and partake in this union that we have under Christ. So if you're not, my encouragement to you is to do so. Get involved. Invite someone over for a meal to your house. Invite someone to have coffee one morning or to have breakfast. But be involved with other believers. That is our call, to have fellowship with one another. It's to live intentional and to live in relationship with other believers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, God, and we thank you. We thank you because we understand that this fellowship that we're called to, that it wouldn't be possible without your grace, without your mercy in our lives, Father. That the only reason we're even willing to get up on a Sunday and gather with other people and go out in the rain and travel to church is because that's what you've put in our hearts. You are drawing us closer to yourself, Father, and we thank you for that, Heavenly Father. Lord, be with us today, Lord, as we go about the rest of this week, Lord. Help us, remind us that we need to be in fellowship with one another, that we are called to love other believers, to love our brothers and sisters. We are called to encourage them. We are called to lift them up. We are called to pour into them, Father, to have relationship with one another, Father. If we're falling short there, Father, Convict us. Help us. Bring someone our way where we are encouraged to do just that. Help us to be connected within your body, Father. Lord, as we go about the rest of this day, a day that is to be dedicated to you, Father, may we spend time in your word, learning, gleaning from it. May we gather with other saints. Keep us safe, Father in our travels. We pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. Amen.
And let's ask the Lord to give us grace to 